Hello and welcome to the HRD Live podcast. This week, I was joined by Liz Vellani, founder of Courageous Success, a global business helping people to be themselves at work. Liz and I discussed the huge benefits of being yourself at work, going beyond buzzwords, and why management training has such a bad rep. Enjoy. Liz, welcome to the podcast. Good to meet you, Michael. Thank you for having me. Fantastic to have you. So first of all, why do you think management training has such a poor reputation among leadership? Well, what I see is that it's just not sexy for people to deliver something new within management. You know, if I meet people in learning and development HR, what tends to happen is that give them the talent program, we give them the leadership program and it's, oh, it's really exciting. Um, But actually the management programs tend to be based on really traditional and quite outdated tools and processes and can feel really transactional. Um, And so I think when people have to sort of deliver the management program, it's just really sort of become something that that is a have to do. Mm. I hear phrases like, let's get the basics right and and those kinds of things. And, and people forget that it's the managers that people turn up to work for. So if you can get your managers really nailing being a great manager, then your engagement scores are just going to, you know, up themselves, basically. Right, right. It's always kind of the wrong way around, basically, I think, is the way they're looking at it. It's kind of trying to get processes in place or building something without having that core foundation built first of who that person is and how they operate so what what's the key difference do you think here in 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 between those two things like what needs to get nailed first i think the industry need to realize that you don't have to be a leader to be inspiring that you don't have to save all of the really kind of groundbreaking creative new thinking and development for those at the very top or those that you want to kind of grow potential um they're really missing a trick on understanding how by really you know managers embracing who they really are people want to work with people that they like you know and that they can work with and and can are approachable and and normal you know and so (laughs) this kind of transactional process of back to basics not only is transactional for a business but it can feel really old-fashioned and kind of dated and and you know difficult for managers people don't turn up for courses they're you know they're just sort of not inspired by management training when really they should be Mm. well also it's kind of you're fitting everyone to a certain type as well right instead of saying this person has this quality which is quite endearing or even valuable you're saying okay should we make sure they all fit the same mold exactly it's like robotic okay so let's let's take a poll of what we do in management training well we're going to teach them to do some coaching Mm. we're going to use some models and look at situational leadership let's do some Role playing, you know, if you or I had to go on a program or a course like that, really honestly, how I certainly wouldn't be inspired, and I, I don't know many managers that are, and so, yeah. you know, one of the things that we did a few years ago was we polled all of the kind of key contacts in learning and development around the world that we're connected with, and said, you know, what are the big challenges do you think within development and business? And three big things came back. One, one was about well-being, and we, we all know the trends around mental health and well-being and supporting people in that way. Um, the second thing that came back was how do we get people to do more with less? Because actually, you know, with cost cutting and restructuring and all of those, change is just a way of life. Hmm. 
Um, and the third thing, which which quite frankly at the time surprised us, but it's not surprising when you really look at the statistics and the challenges at work, was you know we've been doing the same thing around training our managers really for the sort of last thirty to forty years. Um, it's not working, and what do we do about it? Mm. So you know I'm a real advocate for yes, of course it's important to get our leaders and our talent and and everyone else engaged and excited around coming to work every day and making a difference, but managers themselves are the lifeblood of the business they connect with the most people so if you can really get them motivated and happy and self-aware and making a difference then you know it's a no-brainer so you mentioned self-awareness there so I, I understand that this is quite a key thing for how you approach this change in training and how we approach leaders why is self-awareness so crucial and how do you engender that in, in leaders yeah it's a brilliant question so um we've all worked for people that aren't self-aware right Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Both knowingly smile. Um, and it's quite tough. You know, people who are unself-aware can, you know, they can they can say things that perhaps, you know, we're all big softies inside that we take to heart. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, they can be quite stressed. They can be quite volatile. They're quite difficult to read. Um, you know, we don't necessarily give over and above to somebody who is not self-aware naturally mm. um, and most management training as you've said it can be quite robotic it's kind of about tools and skills the basics yeah. rather <laughs> than self-awareness so what we found and it was experimental so the very first when we came out of that survey we created a program called life-changing manager and the whole emphasis is on the manager so you as an individual you're unique you know you're different to me i'm different to you therefore you know what annoys me is different to what annoys you what motivates me is different to what motivates you people talk about their management style you know naturally your style as you will be different to my style as me and yet for decades we've kind of got people to fit in certain boxes as managers and behave in certain ways and so if you talk about it this way think about communication styles and those things then you'll get through but that's not really maximizing our kind of natural uniqueness right so life-changing manager was really designed as an experiment to say if we just really focused on the individual and help them to understand exactly who they really are which is you everywhere so you're just as much yourself when you were at home in Cheshire with your friends and family over Christmas <laughs> than you are while you're at work here mm. um, you know and there are parts of you that are playful and fun and jovial and joke, you know joking and those kind of things mm -hmm. that are natural to you most managers are promoted because they're good at their job and then they're uncomfortable so we don't know what to do so what happens is we become more formal a little bit more distant I'm a little bit hierarchical so we tend to not be natural so we're not using those natural playful joking behaviors and mm. you'll have been in meetings or work for people that when they're being those things and themselves you like them yes you, you know it's yes. like it's easy you know to connect and work with them so life-changing manager focused and focuses really on the individual understanding who they are and then understanding how they react why they react the way they react and it's different for all of us yeah um so they can think about the impact that they're having on the people around them and, and really be the best of them but at the same time managing their reactions and then 
really bringing out the best in others through some simple kind of, I don't know, philosophies, I guess. So one of our philosophies is using kindness as a force for good at work. It's okay. not something that managers turn up every day thinking, right, today I'm going to use kindness as a force for good <laughs> at work. Um, but actually, you know, in our experience, when we talk to people, a manager doing something that's genuinely kind to support somebody, and it might just be, it could be a compliment, but it could actually be just bringing them in inclusively or helping them to understand that they should believe in themselves mm. when they're doubting themselves or just something that's very quick can make more of a difference um, than having a one-to-one or talking through some kind of model of communication. Or just manners of speaking, perhaps, or ways of communicating with each other. But what, what I'm interested uh, in here is what are the kind of challenges that you face in doing that? Because I can anticipate that perhaps some people, when you take this approach, are quite they might find it really difficult to access that part of themselves that's, that is that is kind of more playful or perhaps more relaxed, how, how they are outside of work. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that we found really fascinating through what was an original experiment. Um, people say this has changed their lives. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we use a process that basically, call it I am, that helps people to understand who they are. Um, and that just isn't just about work. That's about everywhere. Um, and and so we're naturally getting past the reticence of sort of, well, you know, because also it's about uniqueness. So we're not putting you in a box or giving mm. you a number or a colour or those things. You, you create a picture of you um, and your personal values and what it is that makes you tick and then look at the energy and dynamic of that. So you really understand you we get 90% impact on self-awareness, they say, through the experiment of the process so that you can really be you. Right. I, I was going to ask about this. I understand a lot of the feedback has been incredibly positive, right? What's that been like so far for you and going through this? Has it all been people said, this has been incredible, it's changed my life, or some people said, like, this is too this is too difficult for me. I, I can't handle this kind of change, you know? So <laughs> well, some bosses never, I know might have done to that. To this day, I've never had anybody walk out of a workshop, put it that way. Um, okay. Good. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, in the in the case study, so on day one of the HRD summit, we've got um, a customer coming in with us, um, 12.30, day one, to share the results. Um, and the re- results really have been fantastic um, on every metric that we've tested around difference, the ability for this to change lives within our business, um, the impact on sort of understanding that by being me, I can be more inclusive, understanding that by being me, I can be basically more approachable um, are all over 80% rated and that's on a global case study Um, Mm. so it's about you know we've what we've done is try to experiment and and you know get the managers to be brave and look at doing their management training in a really different way Mm. Um, and yeah it's it's been really refreshing for them so part of what you've been doing, as I understand it, is also um, a survey you've been carrying out into yeah. into being yourself at work, which is a phrase that has kind of been co-opted, you know, to sort of almost mean nothing. But so it's, it's a shame because it's so important and so crucial, as you say, to bring that part of yourself. But I think it's one of these phrases that kind of just gets mangled slightly. But you've launched a, a survey 
into into why this is so important tell me a little bit about that and, and how that worked what were you trying to find out what did you ask people well first of all i'd like to challenge you on your assumption that it's uh, very good <laughs> that, well totally so yeah. um i have to tell you that the vast majority of progressive companies around the world we've got teams in the us in australia in asia in europe all of the progressive companies that we're talking to have got things like BU at the center of their strategy, right. their people strategy. And they're the people that we're seeing succeed. I think mm. the big challenge that we face basically around the world is be yourself at work, but be your best self. Right. So, you know, who else should you be if you're not being you? Mm. You know, you're not naturally going to bring out the best in yourself and others if you pretend imposter syndrome, something we measure in a survey, all of those things to be someone else. But mm. there's a difference between I can be me and be badly behaved, therefore, <laughs> or I can be me and be my best self. Um, so really, it's the best self that we're uncovering. And we're finding correlations between the causation drivers of being yourself and success at work, at high engagement scores, at leaders and managers that are able to really retain their teams and really like you know, grow them and have real happiness. So we measure that those who being themselves at work as managers, the best selves, mm -hmm. um, have an 88% impact improvement on their happiness. And that rubs off when we measure it in their teams as well. So although it may be a phrase that's banded around, we're finding it's a really powerful one. Right. And of course, because at its core, there's something incredibly pertinent there, which is that exactly, as you say, you spend almost all of your time at work. So if all of that time you're not being yourself, it's almost seems crazy. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense at all. But it, I think uh, some might argue, OK, how, how do you measure that? How, how do you find out yeah. if somebody is being their best? And, or, or how do you ascertain how much someone feels like they can be themselves um, at, at work? What kind of, when you conduct these surveys, when you try and find out, what, what are you yeah. asking people? What are you, what are you diving into there? Yeah, so, it's, so, so what we're looking for is the causation. So it's really easy, you know, traditionally today what we do is we look at engagement so how engaged are our teams you know and some of the questionnaires that are out there do ask can i you know can you be yourself at work it's a key question in some of the questionnaires mm -hmm. but what we're not doing is looking at the drivers of that so the survey is built around causation so it's one thing are you being yourself at work but what we're then doing is measuring the drivers of what will help you to be and hinder you to be yourself at work and the impact that that might have right. so we've designed a survey it launches this week um, around the world we've got global partners we've got thousands of people that are going to answer the survey we're going to share the results on day two in the lightning talk um, at the hrd summit which is 11 o'clock on day two 21 questions seven minutes basically um and the questions are really different and really interesting um and it's going to be fascinating to get um the results so i'll give you a couple of examples um of the questions so one of them is how much do the following boost your confidence to be yourself because confidence is key to being yourself at Absolutely. work the minute you think oh i'm not good enough or i'm never going to make this happen well, people don't like to... me for who i am yeah, or yeah. yeah. you'll adapt you'll change you'll you know you'll 
uh, your conform. And so what we're doing is getting them to have a look at the different things that they're using to give them confidence at work. Um, so, for example, the uh, the questionnaire asks about being given recognition, um, having autonomy to give yourself confidence, being trusted, being liked, being listened to, feeling in control, which we find is the number one strategy for confidence at work, along with recognition and believing in myself, which actually is quite rare, mm. um, despite sort of appearances. And because the, the challenge, the reason we've built that question is that the vast majority of us, and we measure it, have what we call an external confidence strategy. So we'll rely on things outside of our control for our confidence. So we'll wait for our manager to give us feedback and positive feedback, you know, and we'll wait for people to seek us out for advice and those kind of things. But all of that's out of co our control. And so our confidence can go up and down and up and down and so what we're doing by asking that question is having a look at still you know across the world what are the key drivers of your confidence but confidence is a causation if you like it's a reason it's a way of being unlocking being yourself at work um, and those external and internal confidence strategies are rampant you know you ask most global businesses do you have a reward program you know in your business mm. absolutely people and businesses spend millions on it um if they could spend a fraction of that won't get on my soapbox but a fraction <laughs> of that amount actually helping their people to have core fundamental self-reliance and confidence resilience basically from the inside they wouldn't need all of those programs that's fascinating as an idea it's it, it's it's I'd, I'd actually not really thought about it either it's, it's very interesting that you do rely so much on something which is as in your control mm. as the tide or something you don't you have you don't know when your manager is going to come over you can't constantly consult with the people for that kind exactly. of thing how do you build that core Exactly. Internal strength that you need in order exactly. to be. Imagine an organization full of people with that kind of yeah. inner strength. Yeah. Because we know most organizations are full of people that have got external confidence strategies. Mm. So going back to life changing manager, as a manager, what do you need to do to drive an inner confidence strategy in your people? You don't give them feedback all the time, which is what we're taught to do culturally within HR and learning and development. You help them to give themselves feedback, to have a strong relationship with themselves and point out what they think they've done well and what they think they could do better so they're not relying on you as their manager giving them a gold star to give them confidence every week um should i give you another example please of do this is i'm just i'm captivated <laughs> so, <laughs> it's very interesting so another one on here which we actually blogged about last week and got the most responses we've ever had on the blog but out of 10 how much do you feel that you have the power uh, sorry how out of 10 how much do you feel that you have to prove your competence at work so okay, yeah interesting interesting isn't it so mm. what what do you think what would your take be on, on the reason we're asking that question oh, so my boss isn't listening now it's interesting because i think i suppose it 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 changes the way you feel about why you're doing certain th things at work, right? Why are you putting this amount of, of effort or time into certain things and why you approach things in a certain way? What am I trying to prove? And how much do I feel like I know what, what I'm doing is right. I know this is okay and I'm doing my best. So I'm not so much worried about proving that I can do it. Yes, well, but that's it's a good it's thing. A, it's a very, yeah, it, that, that would be good. But I suppose it's a very complicated relationship, right? And it, it also yeah. would affect how you communicate oh, with completely. everybody within your business. It's like it affects your persona. It affects how you come across to the people around you that work for you mm. um you know and if you if you feel like you have to prove your competence at work you'll push too much of your consciousness will be on yourself 
rather than the people around you or the project that you're working on because right. you're waiting to see that recognition of the people that you're seeing to be confident. Um, we also find that it tends to give people what we call a prove-it strategy. So I'll buy into what you're saying once you've proven it to me. And actually, it's a really okay. hard. It's really hard to work for somebody or with someone with a prove it strategy because you then feel like you have to prove your competence. And so, actually, things like creativity, agility, intuition, all the things that when we let go a little bit of control and mm. prove it, are naturally there within us. Um, start to go so we're less likely to adapt and be open and listen and flex and change so what the survey is doing is really looking at some not all but some really core buttons mm. that we find within people at work that can affect how much they're being the best of themselves it's fascinating i can think of so many examples of, of businesses i've encountered where it's so much a part of how you communicate these these rules we've given ourselves for some reason around these kind of strategies how easy do you think it is for in your opinion for most businesses to try and change because the mindset change i think is what's going on here how how easy do you think a lot of businesses will find that is it is it a big challenge or is this something which is possibly easier than you might anticipate it's a really good question it's um it's really easy to change, really easy to change. Um, I think the big challenge is getting, and we talk about transforming the way the world develops people. And the reason we talk about transforming the way the world develops people is that quite frankly, up until now, things are start, people are starting to be more open, but we find that HR directors in particular can be quite reticent to actually look at things in a really creative, fresh, new way. And there's a number of reasons for that. The first mm. thing is all those private strategies in their leadership. Well, exactly. I think so. It's, it's, it's so much a part of it. It's okay. You say it's a good thing. Where's the, the ROI yeah, yeah, yeah. on this? How it de yeah. demonstrate that exactly. this is very clearly the case. And that exactly. can be very hard to do. Exactly. And, you know, once you've got the ROI and we can help people to look at that because we've got it, you know, from the work that we've done, that's different. But when you've got those private strategies going on, it's 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 becoming harder, we see, for the creatives in HR people and culture to actually sell creative new solutions to their businesses and I see a lot of kind of worry and reticence and fear within the HR community um, and learning development community on on how to get things different things across the line um, right. and that in itself I think in our industry is something that we should be talking about. I, I, absolutely it, it's almost this kind of toxic kind of restriction on what you can actually actually do on that note I, I i thinking of the people listening to this the people in our community who maybe want to uh, create this kind of change to create a mindset change around self-awareness in the in these different strategies and processes in their businesses Th those members of community want to do that but have no idea of where to start mm -hmm. just they haven't the faintest idea of how you get the thing off the ground what would be your possibly top tip or kind of okay this is the, this is the first <laughs> thing you should should do to get it going it's a tough one for or maybe several yeah, I would tips. say it's probably not as simple. Not as simple as just it's probably one. Probably not as simple as, <laughs> as as one thing. Okay. Um, I think the first thing is is challenge themselves on current practices, and habits and routines and conformity. So, so what we tend to do is typical example would be the back to basics. 
you know, okay, let's get the basics right. But by the time you've got the basics right, you might have lost 10% of your good people. Mm. You know, the strategy's moved on. You know, the other, the other thing is, oh, it's never the right time for change. We've got so much going on. I hear, if I could kind of record, oh, you've got so much going on for mm-hmm. people at work, you're always going to have lots going on. Um, you know, there's never going to be a perfect pause where you're going to, you know, as a leader in HR, be able to go, right, I've got some time now that doesn't exist anymore. We're just always going to be busy um, to create. So it's challenging assumptions. It's challenging habits that are currently in place. Um, Second thing I would say is, you know, are you really putting people, the real people at the centre of your strategy? Um, Or are you following a kind of leadership, learning and development type traditional benchmark? aligning that with the uniqueness of the business you know these days businesses have to stand out they stand out because of their products but actually people by people um and so you know challenging those kind of habits and kind of natural you know things that they're doing but also really saying well actually i'll be really looking at the people and actually are we really looking at the people in the business for our business to be unique and stand out um and then you know i see amazing innovation in hr I don't see enough of it. Um, And where I see it, it's where HR demand a place and actually bring and contribute real, real power to the performance of the business. Um, You know, it's not just about people, actually. It's completely aligned to what the business is trying to achieve. Um, And they've got to stop relying on traditional models and, and, and data um, and create and remember that we're all human and actually in our lives work we're all at work for such a long period of time in our in our lives I think I did a when I was in Australia just before Christmas um, working with our APAC team there we were doing some research in the Australian market and the latest figures have come out the statistics have come out on um, on longevity at work and, 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 and engagement and things at work and the government released these figures that showed that a uh, a school leaver now, you know, university leader, graduate, whatever, coming out of school, university, any Australian marketplace, and I don't see it any different here looking at the stats, will join the job market and the, on average they'll have 17.3 employers in their lifetime. Wow. If, I know it's shocking, <laughs> if the workplace continues to lose people or they move on every three, two to three years, mm. which, okay, if you if you count for the fact that maybe some of us in our young years will have kind of four or five jobs, you know, paper round, work in a restaurant, you know, kind of casual work. Right. But actually, if you look beyond that, I mean, how much is that costing business? Right. I mean, it, it's it's quite shocking to think about, I suppose. Well, it's, it's kind of unfathomable. <laughs> it yeah. is incredible. Um, and so if we keep doing what we've always done, then we're going to get what's happening. What's, you know, so, mm. so I would really encourage, um, you know, people in HR, HR directors that are listening to this and learning and development to sort of get creative um, and kind of put the people strategy um, right at the centre of the success of that business um, and be creative and work to bring realness and humanness um, for their people and their stats will follow. I mean, that's a fantastic note to end on, I think. Uh, Liz, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been really interesting and hopefully we'll get you back again soon. 
Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HRD Live podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe on hrdconnect.com or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for a brand new episode every week. See you next time.